Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Hi, Adam. How's your... Hey, Zach. How's your <laughs> week on this Tuesday, the night we always record? <laughs> you mean uh, you mean not actually Tuesday, like Friday, the day we don't usually record? <laughs> Folks, I had a bit of a work trip this week. I was very tired, and I tried to record with my good buddy in the uh, in the room at the Marriott in uh, gorgeous Grand Rapids, Michigan, and oopsie-daisy, I didn't have headphones, and I also brought my bad mic, so it's probably good that we didn't record. <laughs> no worries. We're here. We've got all the right equipment. You're home. And uh, we are going to talk about some amazing adventures of the Beast, uh, Mr. Hank McCoy himself. Everyone loves the Hank McCoy. He's a terrific <laughs> athlete. <laughs> star, star of the football team, Hank McCoy. He's the, uh, he's the home star hero, that Hank McCoy. <laughs> very ethical, you know, never does anything wrong. Uh, Not a single genocide, <laughs> that boy. It's it's good for him. No, um, we're we're specifically talking about 1970s beast stories, yeah. and even more specifically, 1970s beast stories that Steve Englehart used to string along specific continuity beats of his. Oh, big time! Yeah. Uh, and this is the first real appearance of the, who will become blue, but uh, is at, at, at the beginning here, gray, the, the gray even, furry beast. So what's weird about beast and the fact that beast is drawn blue is a very specific comics coloring problem uh, mm -hmm. up until like what the mid to late 80s they were finally able to more or less uh overcome this um but he's described in the first story that we are going to talk about which is amazing adventures one through six or 11 through 16 we're not counting 17 even though it's technically part of the beast run on the title because it's a reprint of parts of his origin right. with the conquistador yeah. <laughs> and that's from silver age we'll get to that we may mm -hmm. have already covered the conquistador stuff. I forget who can. I don't think who can I don't say. think we have, but you know, it's not like we write any of this down. <laughs> there's no, there's no uh, spreadsheet anywhere. Nope. Uh, <laughs> what was I say? Oh yeah, he's Coloring. described in the later issues of that run as being like black fur all over him, right? And it's blue. Mm-hmm. Because, for people who don't know, uh, in comics coloring, especially, you know, in the 60s, 70s, 50s, all then, uh, what they would do to show, like, a lot of spot black uh, and still have some contrast and stuff were to actually highlight it with, like, a navy blue 
but because they only had limited colors, it was the same navy blue they used for things that were navy blue. And uh, right, so, so they just look blue. <laughs> so Beast is blue, and then some characters end up just looking like they have blue hair. Right. Um, th- Nothing wrong okay. with that. It's you know that's just how it happened. Um, I mean, that's the same thing with Nightcrawler. He wasn't supposed to be like all blue. I don't think. I don't think so either. But that's kind of just how things went. You know, the the fuzzy elf just turned to be blue. That's why Comics they're are all wild. blue. Everybody's blue. So who requested this, Zach? Because uh, this is a, a very specific era that we are looking at today. Yeah, this episode was requested by Patreon supporter Brad Moreland. Uh, Brad Moreland went over to patreon.com slash comicsxf, uh, dug deep into his heart and his pocketbook, and threw a couple of coins in our coffers. Um, and that money goes directly to our fantastic contributors on the site, comicsxf.com. Uh, keeps the show running, keeps the website running, uh, and Brad was at a level that he could request a episode, and he requested uh, Incredible Hulk 161, which we'll get to. It's actually a sequel follow-up to this while also being a DC Comics crossover. We'll get to that part. Lots of things happening, um, but we're going we're gonna to go chronologically today uh, and start with Amazing Adventures 11 to 16. Mainly by uh, Steve Englehart and, and Tom um, Sutton, and Tom Sutton, but um, the first issue is written by Jerry Conway, and sixteen is drawn by Bobby uh, Bobby Bob Brown and uh, Marie Severin. So this is an interesting run. It's interesting. I'm not sure I'd call it good. So let's paint let's paint a word picture. It's 1972. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The X-Men's book was canceled in 1970 with issue mm-hmm. 66. Yep. Because of how comics sales worked at the time, being largely concentrated on newsstands, newsstand circulation numbers did not get back around uh, for multiple months. We're talking like six, eight months-ish. Which meant by the time that uh, Roy Thomas and... Uh, I want to call him Neil Young, but I know that's not his name. He's the one who thinks the <laughs> Earth's Adams. flat. No, Neil Adams doesn't think the Earth's flat. Neil <laughs> Adams thinks about? that thinks that the Earth is hollow, a la Godzilla and the MonsterVerse. Really? Is that true? Do you not? Do you not? Wow. Neil a- Neil Adams is an absolute wild man. Does believe the Earth is hollow. Love it. Thinks the science supports it, and he will talk about <laughs> it a lot. Okay. <laughs> Remind me to talk to him at the next convention. <laughs> if you can get past his giant bunker of a booth that he has yeah. at every convention, then it's go for amazing. it. Amazing what he surrounds himself with. I'm sorry. All right. So you were saying the the story is that the book wasn't actually selling that poorly, but they didn't know it, right? They didn't. They didn't, yeah. uh, because Neil Adams was Neil Adams and was a great artist, and that was bringing a lot of excitement. And frankly, those stories are a step above what they were previously putting out. Yo, regardless, definitely. regardless, the book was still canceled, and Marvel said it was fine. Uh, we'll we'll suffer that, but they wanted to do some stuff with the characters because they still liked the characters. Uh, so they picked Beast 
uh, to do something with here in this era and said, let's give him a solo in Amazing Adventures, a book that for the last 10 issues had been a split title between the Inhumans and Marvel's The Black Widow, a character who is dead in their movie universe, but they did give a new movie to that is out as of the recording today, and I have not watched it on the Disney+. Plus. I am going on Sunday, so I can report You're back. going to a real movie theater? Adam, you know they make you wear pants in there. I know, but, you know, they don't, they I They don't already, give you the pause button. I already warmed up with F9, so I, you know, I'll go back. <laughs> Insanity. Insanity. <laughs> uh, Not as insane as uh, the decision to kind of Jekyll Hyde, Frankenstein, Wolfman up Hank McCoy here uh, into a gray, hulking, hairy monster? Yeah. I kind of like I kind of like the original Beast look. I like it better than Cat Beast, and I like it. I I think the Bendis I say Bendis, but Stuart Immonen did the design. The Stuart Immonen, uh yeah, I don't like current. I, I think no. that one's I think that one's a better look than Cat Beast. Like I like yes. I like stories that Cat Beast is in, mm-hmm. and I think Frank Quitely draws a good Cat Beast. Uh, I prefer. OG Beast, though I do understand why they have changed him up, because his silhouette is also the same silhouette as uh, the Wolverine. Yeah, if we look at him uh, right on, on in the start here, he's kind of got a different haircut. Like, it's basically starting at a unibrow and then rising up into peaks, uh, almost like Batman. You know, like, the, the peaks are not off to the side, but obviously over time those peaks kind of spread out and, and his widow's peak uh, kind of elevated above his forehead so that he became more like the, you know, the animated series beast that everybody remembers from, from the nineties. The this good original, beast. Yeah. This original uh, version is pretty monstrous, uh, which is the intention, you know, he's supposed to be uh, a little, little scary. He's supposed to be this confused person. Um, and to make it even more kind of like body horror-ish, to disguise himself because he realizes he can't transform himself back, he's basically wearing like a rubber person suit over the fur, which is really creepy. So, the book does some weird things. Beast gets a job is what happens. And it's at the brand corporation uh, where Artie's, Artie's dad works. We don't know yes. Artie yet, but Artie's dad, Carl Maddox... Uh, mm-hmm. works there um and there's some spy stuff going on with the secret empire um the resolution of which we have discussed back in the good secret empire book it is kind of wild which, going back to this and going wait a minute is that richard nixon <laughs> because you do get will, some of the numbered hooded people in this yeah the the secret empire right. what you will learn and we will discuss in this episode is that Steve Englehart loves continuity so much and he does he does end up telling this story strewn between like five different books for no other reason than he just couldn't fit it in to one like he was just he, a lot of them just got canceled and he got taken off and he's like well I'll move this one over I'll move it over I'll just we'll keep on stringing this and then he yeah. did Captain America 
Yep. Uh, Steven so, Gohart's not my favorite rider on these titles. I'm just going to be very honest. A lot of people well, love him. Highs and lows, and we'll get to some of the different things. But I think I, when I started reading this, I was like, oh, God, you know, this is this guy, you know, this version of Hank McCoy seems very unlikable. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I do think it's kind of a clever twist on him. You know, he is supposed to be this super smart scientist. Um, he, he is already showing off his ethical dubiousness by experimenting on himself, uh, transforming himself into the beast. And it makes sense. He had no other choice, Adam. He had no (laughs) other choice. Right. He couldn't, couldn't wait for test subjects or anything, you know? He couldn't, he couldn't wait to wait for anything else as a superhero to stop the spy crimes that he was seeing than to ingest a mysterious werewolf potion <laughs> that did have werewolf powers because it was like, well, if I take the antidote in 30 minutes, the effects will only be temporary. And then they weren't temporary. And then back to your point that uh, we got distracted from, he then makes a rubber person suit to live in. Yeah. So that but it's just the gloves. Are- it's just gloves and a mask. And people and, are fooled by And this. a binder, like, for his for yes. his back. Yeah. Which, in a very funny scene, uh, he eventually finds Angel, and he's complaining <laughs> about it, and Angel just kind of, like, dead-eye stares at him, like, Hank, you saw me dress so many times. You watched <laughs> me disrobe and robe myself so much. You've seen my wing binders. Yep. Um... So I think that uh, these issues, if they were just about the beast, probably wouldn't fly. I don't think I'd be as interested. But I will say what in, what I enjoyed about these is the, the rotating cast of antagonists that are in here. So not only does the beast get to fight Iron Man. Um, yeah, classic X-Men villain Iron Man. <laughs> he also gets to fight Mastermind and our buddies Blob and Unis the Untouchable, which I thought was very enjoyable. Um, Did Steve Englehart do that uh, Marvel fanfare one where they were best uh, buddies? You know, I don't know. We have to go back and check that out because that 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 you know kind of reminded me of that. Um, he gets to fight Quasimodo, the uh, <laughs> the quasi motivational destruct organ organ. <laughs> Just like wow, that is just a really bizarre villain. Um, what's yeah, the it's Griffin? A good name, though, and then we get a really great Juggernaut uh, at the end. So the the villains in these are are more fun than sort of the ongoing um, adventures of Hank and you know whether Linda, the super secret spy who's attached to the secret empire, is going to you know, take him out or whatever that that's not as interesting to me, but I love all these antagonists. What what's interesting is in the, uh, in the juggernaut thing. So eventually beast has to run away from his job and there's spy stuff that he deals with. It's not, it's not an interesting plot. I'm going to be honest. It's, it's secret empire spy stuff. Uh, everyone's out to kill everybody. Uh, anyway, he eventually finds Vera, uh, his girlfriend from the silver age, and she tells him about this guy that he she needs help. He she needs him to help. Right. End uh, of the world stuff. So they go on a road trip that Juggernaut uh, gets in the way of. Also on this road trip <laughs> are quite a quite a guest uh, spot here of some Marvel uh, staffers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Len Wan, Glennis Wan, Jerry Conway, uh, Steve Englehart. Uh, they're all there. Roy Thomas is around. Uh, or, well, Roy Thomas is mentioned as his, uh, his then-wife, Jean. Um, and they are going... They are going on a Halloween road trip that they had been going uh, up to Vermont uh, because there was a... I'm trying to... Hold on, because I have to get this right. Yeah, they are, they are going to the Rutland Halloween Parade uh, in Rutland, Vermont that since the 1960s has had a giant superhero theme um, started, started by a guy named Tom Fagan up there. Um, who is also in the issue? Bunch of people dressing around, dressing up like superheroes, uh, walking around, and in fact, uh, who's also in the issue? This is something that crosses over into other comics, like Batman and Justice League and Doctor Specter from Gold Key Comics. Like this is. This is a thing. So all of these guys going on, uh, going on the road trip, it all it all ties <laughs> ties around together. Uh, not in this one. This is the second road trip they did. But back in uh, what is it? Avengers eighty three is the first one they did, and that goes into Batman, which goes into uh, Thor, and it's a it's a whole fun little crossover thing that they've done. I think it's great. Um, that's probably my favorite of the issues. It also got me to go back and dig through the past Juggernaut stories, um, starting with Silver Age X-Men 33 and 34, I think, um, where Juggernaut accidentally gets knocked into like a mystical dimension and then fights. Oh, you're talking about the where he where he fights Eternity? Where <laughs> Right. Yeah, because well, there's where, a, there's a Doctor Strange story he, in there. So when we see, yeah, him there's here, a Doctor Strange story where he he literally fights the concept of everything, right? And he's like, "Yeah, let's do this. I'm Juggernaut. I'm the Juggernaut. Let's do it." Love it. Yeah. So also, uh, I need to make a correction to myself oh, from okay. two seconds ago. Yeah. This book does immediately fall into if you want to follow the Marvel and DC staffers who are on this road trip. Uh, just pick up Justice League of America. Oh. It's in that one. Cool. Um, <laughs> it, it deals with the fact that somebody stole a car from... <laughs> is it Steve Englehart's car or is it is oh, it Len Wein's car? There's so many of them. Like, it, I had to look up who all was here because I'm like, oh, I recognize all these first names. But then I had to go back and check it out. Um, so Juggernaut is kind of portaling in and out. At one point he gets like aged into a grandpa and, uh, I don't know. I, I think there's a, there's a real mixed bag here. You know what I mean? Like you're going back, you're definitely looking at something that is very influenced by horror comics. Um, the sci-fi parts of it are just kind of like, whatever, you know, I'm not, I'm not really super interested in beasts, uh, drama here, but, uh, I think it's worth it to, to tune in for some of the uh, um, rogues gallery that shows up here. There's just some, it's yeah. random and fun. The Griffin, the Griffin one's worth reading for the angel parts. Yeah. The parts where the Quasimodo issue, you can skip uh, the parts <laughs> where it's the brotherhood. That's fun. That's fun. Uh, and then really it's just, the weird old 70s X-Men is canceled brotherhood is interesting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then otherwise, 
the juggernaut issue is probably the best one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. It ends on a good note, but it does end on a cliffhanger because uh, Beast and Vera do not save the world. No, and it's it's unclear even what Vera is talking about. So uh, that'll be continued in just a moment after we rank this on our big old list. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we do have a big old list, don't we, Adam? Mm-hmm. How many how many stories do you think are on this list? Venture a guess. Boy, uh, we got five hundred five. Uh, uh, wow, five hundred twenty-five. Wow, jeez, Louise. Yeah, bud, we were on the road to five hundred not that long ago. <laughs> don't you remember? We're moving to uh, six. No, we've here. got five hundred twenty-five stories on this list. The number one story on the list is House of X Powers Ten. Uh, number 100 is the Messiah War. Number 200 is the X-Force Road Trip. Uh, number 300 is Generation Hope. Oh, no, it's not. It's, uh, Uncanny X-Men Annual 1995, where, uh, one of the Guthries does a cult. Uh, number 400 is NYX No Way Home. Number 500 is the X-Men Animation Special. And 525 is the Draco. I'm gonna right. I'm gonna say something that I think is very easy to believe. Okay, road trip's better. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think that annual where the Guthrie does a cult is better. Yeah, um, I'm actually looking lower on the list. Down at 378, we have the first appearance of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Um, that one's better. I think that's, that's a Jack better. Kirby comic. Yeah. Um, I think we're starting to get into the the right area here. I do think that there is a little bit of fun to be had with these. Like, I don't think we're as as dull as like at four oh six is the uh, Uncanny X Men Annual Eight, where nothing happens. You know, like you right. just highlighted three eighty eight, the Dazzler arc where she becomes the Herald of Galactus. The Herald of Galactus. Like, yes, we're kind of in the same realm there. You know. We are exactly in that realm because at 388 is a Dazzler Herald of Galactus. At at 397 is Dazzler versus the X Men. Mm. Um, we are right in there. This is probably not as good as the Leprechaun Murder Mystery from Uncanny X Men First Class Number Eight <laughs> at 390. No, but I, I think it. I think it's probably better than at right below that is uh, the Five Lights story, Uncanny Five Twenty Six to Five Twenty Seven. Or 529? It's it's like right there, and I don't want to think about the five lights more than I have to. That's got some unfortunate art. Yeah. All right. Art's so, good in this one. Well, okay. I don't care about the Tom Sutton art. It's very house style. Last issue's got Marie Severin doing uh, character work, and I like that. Yeah. I, I, I like the art pretty much throughout. Um, but we got to continue this story. Uh, and as you said, Inglehart just continues to hop. And he ends up on Incredible Hulk. And we get to learn what the Beast and Vera were were going after. So what issue is this, Zach? Uh, it's Incredible Hulk 161. And Englehart had been doing the book with Herb Trempe for a little bit now. Uh, and, you know, this is just a, you know, Amazing Adventures 17, uh, which would have been the next issue which is the reprint, actually is published in March of 1973. And what Englehart does is just say, well, screw you, I'm going to write the rest of this story in my Hulk. <laughs> and 
It's exactly what he does. That comes out March. It comes out March of 1973. Now, if you were reading Hulk, you would have no idea what this storyline is. <laughs> if you were reading Amazing Adventures, you'd have no idea where to follow this storyline. And yet, Steve Englehart just kind of just kind of kept on trucking. Yeah, uh, there's there's a, an actual a real lack of uh, editor's notes here. Like you'd expect a little asterisk somewhere to tell you, "Hey, go check out these issues." No. Nothing like that. Um, we start real, just like right in the middle of the Hulk getting into it and mixing it up with uh, a bunch of Royal Mounted Canadian Police, which is kind of funny. <laughs> like he's just like, they're so pissed off that the Hulk is there and he's just like throwing trees at them and it's kind of funny. So I'm on the Marvel Wikia because that has the, that has the creative teams as I am wont to do. Yeah. It has a whole section called chronology notes, which they don't have on any other issue on here. But it tells you what pages chronologically happen when so that everything can actually follow within comic book stories. Yeah, that's weird. And I don't understand why they would do this. That is very except strange. For the fact, except for the fact that Steve Englehart uh, is just, just going nuts. On this one, well, it seems like Hulk a lot of this is all powers here. Yeah, I I feel like oh, yeah, uh, go ahead. A, a huge part of this this weird description of the issue that I'm looking at, uh, as you are, is about how uh, Hank sneaks Vera into Canada by <laughs> basically like knocking her unconscious and throwing her over his shoulder as the Beast, and then jumping across the border and putting his like Hank suit back on. It's really creepy. And she's just like, yeah, that's cool. Pretty- why Why was I unconscious? Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Well, because Vera wanted to help her new boyfriend, uh, who we know. Yeah. Um, we that do. is, of course, Calvin Rankin, the Mimic. Mm. Hey, Mimic sucks. I don't know why <laughs> Steve Englehart wanted to bring him back. Silver Age Mimic is the worst. And not in a fun way, in a I hate this dude kind of way. Well, his powers are getting out of control to the point where he is going to destroy the world, apparently. He's going to absorb everyone? I guess. I mean, we've seen... I think you mentioned the Beast's powers are, like, lessening as he gets closer. But, like, I don't know. So's the Hulk's. Yeah, the Hulk is like, Whoa, why Why can't I do stuff? <laughs> That was uh, the weirdest Hulk voice I've ever heard, Adam. <laughs> Is that what you think the Incredible Hulk sounds like? The big green monster man? You think he sounds something like this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How you can't make me laugh like that. <laughs> Editor Adam is going to have fun with this one. I'm sorry. So, regardless of your bad Hulk impression, uh, the Hulk feels bad, they do a fight, but long story short, Mimic realizes that he has to sacrifice himself and die so that he doesn't destroy the world or whatever, and he absorbs properties of the Hulk's gamma radiation so that he cancers himself to death. Right. 
and, and it does appear that the mimic is is dead at the end of this issue um but i don't think we see him again until secret empire and we see this sort of mutant machine right because he's in that no mimic mimic's not in that is he i thought he was one of the mutants that appears in the the sort of like havoc polaris uh 05 mutant in, machine in, in maybe in i'm the, wrong uh, uh no he is not okay he dies the next time he comes back, 1990. Wow. Marvel, Marvel Comics, Comics presents, presents 56. Huh. In a beautiful retcon, Wolverine was happening to walk by because Canada's a very small place. <laughs> and Mimic mimicked his healing powers and didn't die. Oh, that's great. That's smart retcon. I like I that mean, quite a bit. Uh-huh. Is it good? No, I don't think Michael Higgins wrote a good thing there. Is it very funny in retrospect? Yes. Yeah, I like to think it is. <laughs> yeah, I think this issue also in, general... in that issue. Yeah. A also in that issue a Len Wein story about Stingray, the Avenger. Hmm. I don't know why. Looks like there's some Steve Ditko stuff in there too. Weird. Yeah, because it's the early 90s and Steve Ditko's back at Marvel for some reason. Steve Ditko draws part of Nascenti's Daredevil, bud. Oh, that's true. Now I remember that. Yeah. Oh, so weird. So, you know, it's such a strange issue because it is a continuation of the Amazing Adventures stuff. And yet it's just kind of like thrown into an issue with the Hulk. So the Hulk is just sort of walking around and this stuff happens and then he walks away. And that's about it. Which is a very um, Hulk thing to do. Like, very, that's 70s Hulk. Yeah. But it, it's... it's. I wouldn't call it interesting. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't... No. Really, I wasn't burning to know <laughs> what happened. Why Vera, what, you know, needed the beast to save the world. I wasn't too excited about that. So, um, I, I don't think this is as interesting as those Amazing Adventures issues. No, I don't think it's good at all. Mm. Um, also... Vera's next appearance. Wait, does Vera does Vera appear in X Factor, or is that Zelda that appears? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think because Vera... one of them becomes a hippie. I don't think, I think Vera is in X Factor. See, this is what Steve Englehart wanted. Steve Englehart wanted, you know, fifty years later, two weird nerds trying to no. argue when the next time it's X Factor two and uh, yeah, three. Yeah, Vera is in X Factor two and three. Yeah, you're right. Becomes a political. Was Vera activist. the librarian? That's right. Yeah. Okay. No, Zelda comes back in X Factor the Mesmero issue. Hmm. There uh, it is. Uh, who cares? That one has a good <laughs> Mike Mignola cover, though. That is true. But we're um. Anyway, we're, we're talking. We're not about talking about any of that. That are really not super exciting here. They aren't. This issue's not super exciting, right? No, like it's no, very dull. It's it's weird. It's weird how much this was obviously a linchpin for Michael Higgins, I guess, and then also <laughs> Steve Englehart. Yeah, yeah, but nobody else. <laughs> yeah, but nobody else. It's a it's a bad story. It's not very good. It's a it's a weird artifact that's. Really only interesting if you know so much inside baseball on it. Yeah, I would agree. You know, if you're tracking the, the, the chronology of, of these characters, then you got to know it. But I'm looking down at 445. We've Oddly, got... 
the first appearance of the Blob, X-Men 3. That one's better. They fight a circus. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's probably not as good as X-Men Unlimited 37, which is that one that has all of the multiverse stuff crashing into each other, and it doesn't make much sense, but it's kind of neat to look at. I would agree. I also, right around that are the Star Trek X-Men's, and I think those are at least more interesting. Um... Ooh, okay. So you just highlighted Quest Probe down at 453. Um, I think... Yeah. I think Quest Probe is better. I, I, the Marvel Fanfare 33. Yeah. I would say, you, you you know, and right below that's the first six issues of Emma Frost. I think that's a, more interesting. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay. Right. I think this is the spot. Yeah. Uh, 460 is X-Men The Hidden Years 6 and 7. Mm. That's when John Byrne decides to tell everyone about the time that Storm met the X-Men before Storm in, was on the X-Men. So stupid. So it's, stupid. Listen, it's it's the kind of story that I understand the impetus to want to tell. Yeah. But it's also the kind of story that you should absolutely not tell because it <laughs> will be nothing but cheesy, Jonathan. <laughs> Uh, but this is better than uh, 462, Captain Marvel 2 and 3, uh, which was Fabe's it's... attempt to resolve the Adam X origin uh, <laughs> years ago. How do you feel, feel about it next to 461, which is X-Men Volume 2, 100 to 102 Revolutions? You talking about the stuff with the Neo? Yeah, yeah. I think it's probably better than that, exactly on par with Hidden Years. I think it's worse than Wolverine 49 Better to Give, uh, which is a Christmas episode of Wolverine. Yeah, I'm going to give the advantage to this over Hidden Years because I just don't like Hidden Years. So this is our new 460. Listen, listen, I'm not against uh, attacking John Byrne for absolutely no reason. (laughs) There's always a reason. Listen. It's not for no reason. here's Here's the thing. John Byrne did draw the most important of those X-Men stories in the Chris Claremont run. I think that's I think the number of movies based on them is a pretty fair indicator of that. I don't think John Byrne's the best artist on the Claremont run and in fact, I think John Byrne might be the worst consistent artist they have. Cuz I kind of like Cochran more than Byrne. Yeah. I think that's a fair fair assessment. I like I like Paul Smith better. I like JRJR better. I like Silvestri better. I like Jim Lee better. I'm telling you, we we really should do uh, like a draft. You know, we were we've been talking about that on a past episode, and we we should do something like that with like the the artists or the writers or or the characters. We we could have a couple themed episodes. I think that would be fun. Have a um, have a draft just to see how poorly John Byrne would do. I think that would be fun. <laughs> there you go. I don't think I don't think the Byrne Robotics team would love that. Uh, no. But I don't care. No, I don't either. Um, all right, Man, so there's going to be people who don't know why we hate John Byrne, and that's going to be fun for them to find out. Yeah, it's not going to be fun when they. He's look just that a up. douche. Yeah, not a not a great guy. That's uh, it. Bad at humaning. We so, talk about Avengers, right? Well, yeah. So Engelhart um, ends up on the Avengers um, with George Tuska on art, and this is issues one thirty seven and one thirty eight. I think we were going to do one thirty six, but that again is a reprint of one of the Amazing Adventures issues. 
for some reason. Yeah, it's a reprint of Amazing Adventures 12. I don't know why. Um, I am going to just venture a guess that Steve Englehart got busy that month. <laughs> Uh, well, at the same time, uh, is Giant Size Adventure Ad- Avengers number four, which is the wedding of Vision and Scarlet Witch. So maybe they were looking at it and saying, "Hey, let's do the, let's make the real story of this month be the big important one." Also, the wedding of Mantis and uh, the thing that was Swordsman. Right, yeah, and um, where we're picking up here is kind of like all those characters are on their honeymoon, and uh, they've left the Avengers basically hanging out with Moondragon and Agatha Harkness, so um, they don't really have a roster right now, and Black Panther is basically like, yo, peace out, I'm outie, Um, so... He's busy! He's... he's Black Panther runs a country, he... He's got a great excuse. But yeah, they need to find new Avengers. Thor is the Avengers chairman right now. And the thing about Thor is that he's terrible at planning things. Uh, yeah. And um, I, there is a really fun sequence here where they're calling everybody. Like, hey, Captain America. Literally wanna... <laughs> everyone who has been an Avenger. And they're they all call busy. them, with the exception of Hulk, because they were like, yeah, he was an Avenger for a couple of couple of issues. Like, two? Right? <laughs> like, we yeah, think let's, we remember let's, him being fine. a Hulk. Being, a, being an Avenger. Uh, the dialogue here, though. It, very, very bonkers. Like, Engelhart is writing flowery prose in, in dialogue here that is just... So strange, um, especially because he's writing Thor. Uh, my goodness. Can I just read like one panel of this? This is actually Black Panther talking to Thor. Thor, I the, wish fi- you would. the fine fool's gold of stark velvet morning seems to light the mottled tapestry of desire and disaster that comprises the legend of life for my people and myself. In this hidden half-slumbering nation-state, we proudly proclaim Wakanda. Um, it, that kind of, of sort of flowery language goes throughout these entire two issues. And it's, it's a lot. It's not what, you know, you you read in the other, uh, issues we were just talking about. Uh, And and the way he writes Thor is like wild. The way he writes everything is absolutely, absolutely buck wild. I like... (laughs) Here's here's the quote. Here's the quote from uh, the Marvel Wikia. It says, from Hawkeye, Married, married, Mantis I was expecting, though an intelligent tree for a groom came out of left field, but Wanda and Vision took me completely by surprise. That synthesoid sly, boy! Do people talk like this? It's this this sort of, like, slang, but also, like, poetry and it's it's very very odd um and like i said it's nothing like the the dialogue that we were getting and in the other stories that we're talking about today um now for our purposes he's never talked to another human (laughs) it feels like that it really does um now for our purposes because they are missing members one of the people that does show up is the beast who becomes a new member of the avengers um, as does the absolutely awful 
Hank Pym, um, who is now Yellow Jacket. And he is just a royal jerkier. Um, no fun at all. I mean, listen, he's going to get worse pretty oh, yeah. soon. Yeah. Uh, so uh, also, also Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp, rejoins the team. Yep. Uh, so you get that. You get Moondragon uh, and Beast and the Avengers. Mm-hmm. But they got to fight somebody, Zach. So who and, are they going to fight? Okay, this. I'm giving Steve Englehart a lot of a lot of crap for his <laughs> continuity fix them ups. Okay, he got me. Yep, he got me on this one because they fight the stranger. You right? remember the stranger, don't you, Adam? I Jack do. Kirby's the stranger. Yep, uh, po- classic X Men villain. Yep, pointy mustache. Uh, you know. Alien from another world. And uh, the, the stranger... Was the last known owner of Krakoa? Yes. Uh, and the stranger is attacking. He's uh, self-duplicating. But every time it happens, the Avengers are kind of noticing that something is a little bit off. And the way this resolves is kind of funny. <laughs> it's actually really funny. Because it's not the stranger. I lost it. <laughs> It's Toad? Right. It's Toad who stole... So... So the... So during the Silver Age, Magneto and Toad got sucked up by the stranger onto his spaceship. And Magneto eventually escapes. But because he's Silver Age Magneto, who is the worst, he leaves Toad there. Right. And Toad's pretty mad about that. And he's pretty mad about how Magneto has treated him for the last 12 years. And he's pretty mad that Scarlet Witch also treated him bad for the, like, four issues they were around together for. So he just wants revenge on kind of everybody? And there's part of me that's like, Mortimer, I understand where you're coming from. (laughs) Right. Good for you. you, (laughs) Listen, there's two things here that Mortimer is doing. One of them, getting revenge on a guy who was very mean to him. I can appreciate that. The other one is doing an incel thing where he's getting revenge on a lady who wouldn't go out with him. Yeah, that part's not as great. worse, Mm. that's not as great. Oddly in character for Toad. Mm -hmm. uh, And I don't like that that's a persistent part of his character. We could just ignore it. The the part where he's just just, sort of the picked-on geek who's like... (laughs) <laughs> trying to get back on people by pretending to be the big scary alien it is kind of funny um also extremely oh, amusing i it got me yeah also extremely amusing is the way in which beast uh actually defeats the toad which is if if you go back to the the first issue the beast introduces himself as sort of like a master of disguise by entering Avengers Mansion as um, he he's disguised himself as Edward G. Robinson, uh, the famous actor from Little Caesar and Key Largo, and that is how he tricks the Toad and gets the Toad to like stand down is by pretending to be Edward G. Robinson from like uh, you know these classic movies. It's such a weird weird thing, you know, like to to pick a. You know, a, I mean, a, a 30s and 40s movie star to trick a, a Silver Age villain in a 70s comic to, to not be the stranger. It's so weird. 
It absolutely is. Hey, quick question for you, Adam. Yeah. How long do you think how long do you think Beast and Moondragon were not actually Avengers, but were instead Avengers applicants? Oh god. I I don't even know. How would that even work? Is that a is there a like a a grace period before they get to be full-fledged members? Yes. Oh. There absolutely is. Okay. And it keeps going. And it keeps going, and right now I am at 145, and they still have not joined the team. Wow. Uh, I think Moondragon is actually... No, she's still around. Uh, <laughs> 148. Uh, 140... Oh my gosh, this... When do they join the Ding Dang team? So maybe they never do? Maybe they're always just... Well, Hellcat, Hellcat also becomes an applicant. Hmm. You I mean, would think 150, they would be like, hey, you should, guys should probably... Yeah, okay. 151, they officially join. Well, Beast officially joins. Good lord. That's quite a few issues. Uh, and I don't believe... I. Yeah. Yeah, bud. They really make him wait after all those adventures. That's crazy. And then his first, his first fight is against uh, Black Talon, who is a... Uh, He's a voodoo priest or priest, and boy, oh boy, is his costume hella racist. Great. <laughs> listen, listen. <sighs> I I just don't think I don't think Steve Englehart uh, should be doing any voodoo stories. I feel like that would be a mistake. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, this is a very strange story. I do not recommend it. Um, I mean, the, the, the toad aspect of it is probably the only thing that will give you a little bit of, of like glee. Um, but the rest of it is very, but we just spoiled it. We did. It's it's only good because it's a, because it's a twist. Yeah. And, and, uh, the, I gotta say, just reading it is, is not fun. Uh, I do not like the the. the sort I don't of... think I like nineteen seventies comics. You know, I I don't hate the 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 general aesthetics, the style, anything along those lines. But the way in which Engelhart is especially doubling down with the dialogue here, I just I can't get into it. Um, so uh, all right, not great. Where do you where do you want this continuity fix to go? Um, I think I enjoyed... I still think I liked it better than Incredible Hulk. Well, there's there's at least more happening, right? But it's it's not much better. You know what I mean? Like, I still don't think it's um, as good as, like, the first appearance of The Blob at 445, you know? That's probably true. Yeah. Like, I'd rather an attacking uh, giraffe... It's, than it's an... not better than Iceman Volume 1. No. No, it's not. Um... It's. I would not say it's better than X Man sixty seven to seventy, the Infinitives of Evil at four fifty five, but I would say probably better than Knights of Terra at four fifty six. That is a great play, place for it. I would agree. Uh, so this will be our new four fifty six. It is, and forever will be. Or probably <laughs> next week we'll change it. Uh, so there you have it, folks. Uh, three early. Appearances of our uh, bouncing blue, or I guess gray, blue. They couldn't figure it out. Uh, <laughs> Hank He's McCoy. blue. Let's call him the blue beast. Yes. 
Yes. So uh, I feel like this was less of a Hank McCoy episode and much more of a Steve Englehart episode, but we really did did see some of his idiosyncrasies on display. Hank was the star on each of those issues. Yeah. I don't... We could not have made it more of a... It's, <laughs> it's a joint... A joint Steve Englehart beast one. That's true. And just like Beast and Steve Englehart... They both enjoy joints, so it's perfect uh, that they are jointed here. Um, and we want to thank Brad Moreland again uh, for jumping on the Patreon and suggesting this episode. We had fun doing it. This was a great way to decompress after, frankly, I had a long week. Uh, and it's fun. Uh, if you want to be like Brad again, go over to Patreon. Throw throw a couple of coins at your witchers here, O Valley of Plenty. Is that still a topical reference? I don't think so. Witcher? Um, they did just announce any, a second season. I think the trailer came out today. So yes. Man, I did not I've not I've not watched any of the Witcher. I don't know anything about it. So what you just said sounded like nonsense to me. But I know there's I know there's a boy <laughs> I know there's a boy that follows him singing songs that he's like Toss your corn to the Witcher, oh valley of plantain. <laughs> like he's a Jack Black or something. Um so I'll take your word for it. Anyway, that's Patreon. Uh, Adam, what do you got going on, buddy? Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy and uh, Zach. What do we got cooking for next week? Next week we're gonna go fast. We're gonna go fast. We're gonna go fast. We're gonna go fast. We're gonna do stories about people go fast. Pew pew. Pew pew pew. pew. Literally, it's all speedsters all the time, and cool. it's gonna be a fun one. All right. But until then, folks. This has been Bally Adam, and we hope you survive the experience. Get it!